0: Welcome to the Revive Fitness and Nutrition Podcast, hosted by Global Nutrition Coach and Personal Trainer, Julie Payton-Monk.
1: Julie is bringing together experts from across the world to chat all things fitness, mindset and body connection. Her goal is to help you challenge your thinking, rebuild your relationship with food and redefine your fitness. 11 and today's title is I'm trapped by golden handcuffs. Now, this is something I personally have experienced myself. Um, I also see it in friends, family, ex colleagues, where we may feel like we can't change the career we're in, we're a bit stuck in the job or the industry we're working in for a number of reasons, such as kind of family financial commitments. And today I'm delighted to welcome back Sam Kiani for the second time and um, to discuss this subject with me. So Sam is someone who I like because she challenges my thinking. I'm very much a logical thinker and Sam brings a bit of the heart, the body connection into that thinking and there's a few things when you hear Sam talk that you'd be like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I never really thought of that before. Um, So that's why I love to have Sam on. Welcome Sam. Hey Julie, thanks for that. Yeah,
0: really lovely to be here and what a great topic today, like the golden handcuffs.
1: Something that I definitely uh, resonate with from my past too, yeah. If anybody hasn't heard the previous podcast we've done with Sam, because we got amazing feedback off the back of that and that was about workplace stress and bullying, that's episode eight. So check that out and also to hear a bit more about Sam. Um, But Sam is a coach one-to-one and with businesses and that's why she can bring that experience that she has as well from previous career but also in the coaching world that she does currently. But before we get into the subject, because once me and Sam get talking, that's going to be it. Um, but I was just reflecting on the fact that we're coming easing out of lockdown. And I myself have been feeling that things are getting busier and people want to start meeting up, start connecting. And I know a lot of people say lockdown was the opportunity to slow down, reflect on life. So my first question for Sam is what over the last five months have you learned that you're going to kind of stop, start and continue going forward? Mm,
0: such great uh, questions, uh, Julie. Um, yeah, so I thought about this. Like, what am I stopping? And I think that's uh, that. I found that question probably the hardest. Um, so the things that I'm stopping through lockdown, what I learn is that um, my emotional triggers lead me to eat biscuits. (laughs) And I used to think that biscuits were a treat, but actually biscuits are the things that I eat when I'm feeling anxious and I'm not taking time to take care of myself. So the thing that I'm stopping is the habit of eating biscuits.
1: I absolutely love that because, you know, I've been a nutrition coach. And I look at clients and um, what they eat, everything. And it's that thing that you've actually identified that on your own. Whereas a lot of people don't realise it. And I sometimes call it people's fillers and they're like, what do you mean? It's that thing you go to, the comfort, the stress relief without realising it. And for some clients that can be cups of tea. And for some others, it can be tato- potato in all forms, mashed potato, chips, or it can be bread. So it's that thing about recognising what that is. And for you, that's being biscuits. So that's a big win. Yeah,
0: 100%. Um, The thing that I'm starting, I suppose, is um, I realise how, um, you know, I work in quite a demanding, you know, time-intensive industry or industries. And I realise how little face time, like one-to-one time or even group time I get with my friends, you know. And I noticed what a habit of I miss you, I miss you had come up over lockdown. So what I'm starting to do is to actually allow myself the time and space to actually catch up with the people that are really important to me in my life face-to-face and make that time instead of being like, oh, I love you, I miss you, I just can't see you.
1: Hot topic for me that one as well. That's what we were just mentioning about getting busy and people wanting to meet up and it feels like, oh, I'd love to meet up but I've got this on, that on, how am I going to fit onto that schedule? And go, well, actually, you need this. You need that connection and that balance. So yeah, totally feel that one too. Yeah.
0: And the thing that I'm continuing is, like, I suppose the theme that I've had in my life over this past year has been about about energy. And it started off around sleep. Around me realizing that I wasn't getting enough sleep and thinking that I needed more sleep to feel really energized. Um, and I noticed that my energy would kind of be up on this little roller coaster up and down. I'd feel really amazing, really energized, and then get a bit burnt out and feel exhausted. Um, and what I realized over lockdown, particularly this tail end of lockdown, is that yes, sleep is a component. But actually, the thing is rest. So I am continuing my exploration of rest. And I came across the work of uh, Dr. Sandra Chauncer smith I think. I'll make sure the right link is included in the podcast notes. But she talks about these seven categories of rest. And so what I'm continuing then is this exploration of rest where I'm actually scheduling what she calls sacred time in the diary. Sacred because it's time that you do not move, and that's where you get the rest that you need that you notice you're short on. And it's interesting that we talk about connection and about people, because one of the types of rest we need is emotional rest. An emotional rest is the ability to be truly authentically ourselves, express our internal emotions and be real with the people around us now I like to think that I'm authentic all the time there's only one version of Sam you know the Sam that you're hearing talk now yeah. if you met me at the supermarket or if you saw me on stage it's the same Sam but I realize that of course when I'm coaching Or when I'm, uh, you know, leading a workshop, it's not about me. It's about other people. And so over lockdown, I did so much work holding emotional space for people. But there wasn't that ability for me to meet with the peeps that are closest to me, for me to get that time to recharge my batteries. So in this, continuing of my exploration of rest, I guess what I'm starting to do is really make that sacred time for me to fill up. So I don't see it anymore as taking time out of my busy schedule to socialize. It's me getting that sacred rest time that enables me to be at my best so that I can do all the things that I need to do.
1: Brilliant, and I have to say, Sam shared that with me, I think it was last week when we first spoke again, um, and it opened up my eyes because I was a bit like yourself, Sam, where I was feeling a bit drained last week um, and I was reading about the different types of stress. And I could also feel in general, clients were feeling a bit fatigued last week. Everyone's getting that lockdown fatigue again. Um, and off the back of that, I ended up pulling together my weekly email around sensory risks because I thought mm. that's totally where people are at with the Zoom hangover, being on Zoom all the time, looking at their phones or when you ask people what they like to do to relax, they're like, oh, i just switch off and watch telly, but you're still staring at something. Um, and you know, Sam, I like to go for a float um, and they're back open, so I'm like, great. Um, so yeah, I ended up using that and educating other people around that as well. And some people have come back saying, that's totally me. That's where I'm at. So thank you for opening up. The whole world to me about the different elements of rest, because I do think we are channeled to sleeping and not yep. thinking about if you're still getting, say, seven to eight hours, and you're waking up feeling a bit drained, then what is it? It might not be the quality of sleep. It might be the other elements in your life. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's it's so important because I think one of the things I was doing for rest was like, okay, I'm just going to switch off. I'm going to watch that show that I really love on Netflix. You know, right now it's like Queen of the South. That's my little treat. But of course, I'm not getting the emotional rest, like the connection And also, like you say, I'm still sat in front of something that's emitting EMFs and electrical rays. So I might have my blue light glasses on, but still I'm putting myself in that same environment. So yeah, much better for me to, even if we can't get to a float and have that total sensory isolation, even getting into any kinds of water, getting out into nature, uh, you know, closing your eyes, putting a sleep mask on and just sitting in the quiet, you know, it's really radical, isn't it? It Just really does help us to recharge.
1: And even back to that thinking around nap time. So if you're working in 50 minute blocks and taking a 10 minute break, I find just going to lie on the sofa and not fall asleep. You're just shutting your eyes and you're fully aware of what's around you, but just hum that switching off, literally doing nothing for 10 minutes. It makes a world of difference. I come back so like re-energised.
0: Yeah, that's right. Just that moment to let your mind become still.
1: Well, Sam, they were brilliant answers. So as much as you thought about those, they were great. So thank you for that. Okay, so moving into our subject about these golden handcuffs. Um, As I touched on, my experience has been the number one reason people kind of say they feel trapped by golden handcuffs is around financial and family commitments. So that's the reason they can't maybe leave a job or career they're not happy with because they've gotten the mortgage to pay. The kids are at a certain age and they might be the main breadwinner um, or they're not sure about the security of jobs, especially at the moment. That's obviously a big thing with the economy. So Sam, mm. would you agree that's kind of the main reason that you've seen as well?
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that perspective. I think it's, um, you know, we live in a culture where, we aren't, we're not even aware of so much of our culture, right? Just the expectations that we go through life with. And, you know, that whole thing that you'll meet someone, you'll settle down, you'll get a house, you'll get a good job, you'll have kids at a certain age, and like that is your life mapped out for you. And I think that unless we uh, wake up a little bit from the dream of drifting through life, And we realize that we actively choose our life, then it can totally feel like that, that we are trapped by the circumstances of our life. Um, So what I think is, is that we don't feel trapped when we actively choose. So I think that there are some practical realities around financial commitments. know we have to be real about that you know we do have rent or mortgage to pay uh you know we do have a certain lifestyle maybe that needs to be maintained but if these are things that we want then they're a choice and we can really enjoy them if we come out of this mindset of thinking that other people control our life because it's quite funny i think that so much less of our life is controlled by others than we might think.
1: Yeah, I think, um, so yes, I often call it sleepwalking through life. And I think I've probably done that for about 14 years of my corporate career, where you're chasing the bonuses, the pay rises to get yourself in a better financial position. And there's periods of times where I worked in brilliant teams, loved what I did. Um, and then it became times where I was like literally sleepwalking because I could do the job with my eyes shut. It wasn't challenging me anymore. But you feel like, yes, because of those financial commitments, but also the expectation around, I think we're very judgmental about the job people do. Um, and certainly within my own family, like there's that thing about what do the cousins do? what Who does this? What jobs do they do? And there's a whole kind of status around the job you do as well and the prestige that comes with it. And as you touched on, then the bigger house and even, you know, I've been living in our place for, I think we've been over 12 years now. And there's that expectation that when you're doing your property up, that you're going to move on and get a bigger home. And I've always been, some would say quite stubborn, like, no, why would I move? I've got everything I need to. And it's what you're saying, Sam, about choice. Like sometimes we can have outside influences saying, oh, do you not want to be climbing the career ladder? Do you want no more than that? Do you not want to go on holiday or have a bigger house, start a family? And we can let other people's opinions of how we should live our life, shape our life, rather than saying, no, that's not what we want for ourselves.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think I really recognize that. And I think my own experience of that was more, um, so definitely I had that thing of, uh, you know, cause I left home when I was really young. And so, you know, financial survival was really important to me, you know, and in the beginning, Uh, When I was responsible for myself, there were literally weeks that, you know, it's like, okay, beans on toast again, but I can't afford the beans, you know, it was it was like that. And so definitely this drive to uh, achieve more in the career and achieve more money. The thing was, I didn't feel like they were golden handcuffs, because that's what I was driving for at the time. What then happens, I think, much later on in my career was I fell into this pattern of thinking that other people were limiting me. So it would be like, oh, you know, that manager, they don't like me or, you know, they never let me speak or they just don't believe in me. And it, I always seemed to find people that were blocking me. And it was when I noticed this pattern that it was never my fault it was always that other person. If only it wasn't for them, then I would be able to do X, Y, Z. I suddenly realized, because I'm a big fan of the work by Byron Katie. And she said, she has this great process uh, called judge, judge your neighbor. And it's you write down the statement in really short, simple terms. And so it'd be like, you know, they're blocking me And then you turn it around and it's like, I'm blocking me. And I had this whole moment of realization that actually that's just my pattern of being afraid of myself, being afraid to go for what I really want. And so I find people that can block me so that it alleviates my responsibility to take my own actions. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely makes sense. And I'm sitting here smiling because I hear that so much. And um, people blaming that blame culture that I think we live in, in terms of people blaming the manager for not developing them, blaming the manager for not seeing them for the value they add, um, blaming the environment in terms of there's no opportunities, the company's shrinking, the economy's shrinking, there's not the same opportunities as there used to be um that we operate in a world where it's about who you know, not what you know. And um, mm-hmm. so all these kind of things that I'd hear colleagues around me saying, and uh, whilst mm-hmm. same time feeling blocked, feeling like I blocked, but actually I think what happens is you reach the peak of what you can do in that role and you outgrow the role. Mm-hmm. And you don't necessarily recognise that. Instead you get you might even outgrow the company. And instead of looking elsewhere to go right, I've done my time in this company what can I go and do and take my skill set elsewhere, you maybe look at it and say, Oh, this place is rubbish to work in, it's not giving me what I want. I put all these hours in, all these years, I'm um, just the number and that kind of whole blame culture. So I think that is quite a big challenge in the workplace.
0: Yeah. Because I I I, I totally hear that. And I think the the heart the thing that makes this hard is because um ultimately the responsibility for figuring out what we want is on us. And what I mean by that is, it's so much easier to complain about the lack of and to blame other people for what we don't have than it is for us to do that introspective work to figure out what it is that we really want. And I still even recognize this, that sometimes it is easier to fall into the habit of complaining than to figure out the emotional stuff um, that tells us what we really want. Because what I recognized in my own life is that, you know, working at director level in an investment bank, being really hard on that career track, busy, 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 how disconnected I became from my body. And I was, you know, we live in a culture that prizes thinking, and we become so um, trapped in our heads. You know, we're, we're trying to think what it is that we want. And the problem is with thinking is that like proper, logical, critical thinking is useful. But very few of us do that most of the time. <laughs> most of the time, we get trapped in the neurotic voice in our heads the one that is talking from a place of fear, and this is the voice of the ego, like our much younger self that's going, oh my God, am oh I good enough? I'm scared, you know? And so it's, if we listen to that voice in our head, we tend to be driven by things that boost our status, that make us look good in the eyes of other people, that is probably disconnected from what we really want.
1: Yeah, and I'm thinking with so to take it back a step for the people who will deem themselves as being institutionalised, that's what yeah. I hear a lot. I've been with the company this long. I don't know anything else outside. I don't think I could work anywhere else. And when you ask them, what is it they want? They often yeah. can't answer that. And I don't even, it's like that thing. I've been so busy and they're just going day to day task task through work or the family chores that I, They don't seem to have the time to lift their head and think, when did I stop dreaming? When did I stop actually going, I want to do this, I want to do that. And it becomes living for the holidays because they get burnt out, go on the holiday, come back from the holiday, repeat that cycle. And before they know it, they've lost all these years.
0: Yeah, that's the thing that you, I think you really well describe as sleepwalking through life. And I feel like that's where we're trapped inside the bubble of the dream and we're listening only to Radio Me. So I think the answer, like I think there's a little journey that from that place we might need to go on to get back to being able to figure out what we want and to to hear that and to be able to dream. But I think the first step is just to recognise the need to slow down and to connect. Because the funny thing is, is like we have this mechanism already, we don't need to develop it. All we need to do is to learn how to connect with it. So for example, like the, you know, in our head, like this thinking thing, you know, just to kind of to slow down and observe that and to stretch into those other cognitive functions of our brain, like the feeling and sensing and intuition. You know, and that all comes from just this ability to just slow down. I mean, something I recognize, you know, when I was in that really busy uh, time where I was definitely caught up and trapped a little bit in the whole listening to Radio Me. Funnily enough, that's where I got into the float tank experience, just to get that really quiet time to block everything out, to have that a sensory renewal of the very salty water against my skin. And that was part of me being able to begin this process of slowing down to be able to reconnect with my body so that I could connect back with this, being able to hear what I wanted. I'm curious, what was it for you, Julie? What helped you?
1: I would say I got into meditation before I broke my leg and ankle. I started to get into meditation Because I got to a point where I felt like nothing was working. So I was trying to please someone who was bullying me at work. And that wasn't working. Then I was trying to learn about them and their behaviours. And I remember buying a book called Psychopaths at Work. And it was all about that psychology and narcissistic behaviours. And I started reading that. And I got into meditation. It was guided. So I was doing like half an hour in the morning. Half an hour in the evening. And I remember another senior manager seeing me. And she was like. Oh my God, it's like you're floating on water. Like, I hadn't seen her for ages. And it was just like a off chance meeting. And it was almost like that bulletproof exterior I developed where things were not get into me anymore at work. And um, mm-hmm. so I was just like in that good place. And then the leg break happened. And then I obviously discovered that when you're at work, what you're working on didn't really matter. And when mm-hmm. you go back, everything's so urgent and so important that I was like, no, this is my chance to reset reset Mm -hmm. my boundaries in terms of the hours I'm working and what matters most to me. And the fact that I lost the function of my leg and had to learn to walk again made me appreciate exactly what you're saying there Sam, the connection with the body and how we only have one body and that when something goes wrong with it, it massively impacts the quality of our life. And it was really looking at that and then where I was, I was really unhealthy, which made it even harder in terms of moving around and being on crutches and just thinking that I didn't want to be in that place again. And mm. I was basically learning how different things made me feel in terms of, you know, connections with people, how I felt energy of people, what that meant for me, and even down to level of food. So what things made me feel good, what things didn't. And that's quite a lot of the work I do with clients now is stop tracking data, stop going to my fitness MyFitnessPal and tracking data and calories. People are so obsessed with calorie counting and tracking. Let's take it back to look at the colour on your plate. How does it make you feel? And getting back to that connection rather than seeking data numbers all the time. So I think for me, it was the meditation journey that kicked that off and then obviously that life event and then just building on from there.
0: Yeah, amazing, because what I'm hearing you talk about is exactly that going from the thinking, thinking, thinking of data metrics measuring into sensing you know, what am I noticing through my senses and what am I feeling that, you know, in terms of what I'm eating? That is exactly how we turn on that connection back to the body that enables intuition, this kind of inherent knowing to arise. And I think that this thing of golden handcuffs it's when we we often feel that way, when we aren't enjoying what we do when we don't feel like it's a choice and when we don't have a clear sense of our purpose and what I've come to realize because that was definitely me at one point in my life I was like on this mission to kind of discover what my purpose was and I think this is like a thinking trap you know because we can never be disconnected from our purpose like our purpose is always in us but If we're not listening to what's coming up from inside us, which we can call our deeper wisdom, we can call it listening to the heart, right? We can call it what it is that makes us feel really good, right? That's what our purpose is. And what's interesting is what they teach you in like the top business schools is this thing, they use different language but it's essentially sacred time it's like what do you need to be at your best right that's what goes in the diary first and these things never move okay that keeps your physical body well because like your your physical body it's not just a brain taxi you know mind this intelligence is in every cell of our body So for us to be able to really feel good, all of that needs to be connected. I
1: absolutely love that saying, brain taxi. I love that sound so much. And I think for me, so if I strip it back to learn to walk again, I remember the physio saying to me, well, think about how you walk. And I was like, I don't know, you just do it. And they're like, no, think about it. It's like heel to toe motion. And I was like, oh yeah, so it is. And just how much we take for granted within our body of what it does. Every day we get up and we do loads of things before we even have our breakfast and we just take for granted the fact we can swing out of bed, walk, go and brush our teeth, do all that without second thought because we just take it for granted. And it's when something interrupts that, that you realise how amazing your body actually is and the things that it can do, which is probably where I got into like plyometrics, calisthenics, things like that in terms of going, well, let's see how far we can take this. We can walk now, we can run now, let's see how high we can jump. And then just that thing of kind of pushing your boundaries and discovering what you can do. And I think for a lot of people. Yeah, like you were saying there about business schools, teaching about what are the things you need to put in your diary. That's your priority. You don't get that because in the busy world we live in, the priority is about earning money, about reaching your work career goals, personal mm. development in the workplace is all about your career goals. And I remember towards the latter end, I had two personal developments and I was putting these in to challenge people to kind of show those two two worlds. So I'd have my corporate personal development and my personal life personal development. And that was all about the journey of starting my fitness career and that was challenging them. And I think it challenges some people when it maybe makes them reflect on things they're not doing. Right. So you get a bit of bite back, shall I say, because they're not doing those things and they might think that that's taking away from you focusing on your corporate world. Whereas actually it's people understanding that by doing these other things, it will help you be more productive and help you achieve more in your corporate world by doing things outside of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you raised a couple of interesting points um, around that. Um, one of the main things is just we we totally take our bodily health for granted you know, until it's not there. And I think that one of the consequences that I see, because, you know, we, we can go along. Our body is quite um, resilient. We are quite resilient. We can go along for quite some time uh, doing things that degrade ourselves over time. But what happens, I've noticed, it always was curious to me why people started getting sick in their mid-40s you know or 50s and that's basically about 20 years after people finish uni or you know something like that
1: yeah
0: and it's that's the time when we've been fully responsible for ourselves and so if we live in this manner where we are disconnected from the desires of our heart and we ignore our body and we run ourselves into the ground we might become aware that we're constantly taking shortcuts oh like i know i'm not getting enough sleep but i'll just keep going because when i reach that goal then i'll do that that is what degrades our health that is why we get heart problems that is why we are more susceptible to get cancer you know it's these we need to live in harmony first of all, with ourself. So we can't just ignore and ignore and ignore our body and then expect that we'll be okay. You know,
1: um, It's a question on that one, Sam, because a lot of people, when you try to get them to reflect on themselves and what they want, it makes them massively uncomfortable and they find it easier to keep sleepwalking and continue doing what they're doing. Why do you think as a culture, we struggle so much to look inward and look at that development?
0: I think it's uh, because there is like this very strong pull of like the default culture of modern life. And it's just like how I think there's been so much talked about, like the American standard diet, right? You imagine if you're in America, how difficult it is to not just eat huge portions of burgers and fries and pizza and fast food, right? It's difficult to step out of the mainstream of this kind of mini tsunami of expectations. But I think that because we as humans are very wired for acceptance. And so we think if we stand for what we want that we will be rejected. And I think so much of our behavior is driven fundamentally by that fear of judgment of others. But once we can um, reconcile ourselves to that and understand, are we really going to let other people determine how we live? Are they even consciously aware that they're driving how we live? No. Um, And so then we can stand up and start living the life we want. But feel like i answered that very well i think in short summary i can answer it really well have you seen the movie the matrix yeah not everyone wants the red pill that wakes them up right yeah the essentially the process you're talking about of waking up of owning your life of choosing what you want of essentially becoming neo who can fly right that's kind of hard but rewarding work the alternative is to stay asleep which is ultimately far worse it feels far worse but apparently it's easier and it's, it's a bit like the paradox of fast food it's like it's easy to eat it but you just feel crap afterwards
1: absolutely oh that's a brilliant one totally and i'm just thinking there about the flying and what it feels like to be someone that's done both of those um, and I think when you take that pill and start to fly and do your own thing and lean into what your heart is telling you and the thing you enjoy doing. Um, and it's funny because people often say, oh, I don't know, you work there as you do or get up and do a class at that time. It's like, because I love it. I don't see as work. I totally thrive off it. And then seeing the people that you've maybe left behind going through those motions. and I even had a, because I do the cancer rehab um, training with people as well. and. Um, one of my CAN we have clients who's a gentleman who's 76, absolute lust for life, family man, loads of things he wants to do. And we talk about all sorts and he was just, it was something I picked up when he said about the fact that he couldn't be himself in this place of work until he retired. And I was just reflecting, oh my God, you've gone through like 55 years of not being yourself because of that expectation to fit in and now he gets to be himself at that age. And I thought just, you know, living without regrets and not having all those years of not being yourself and now experiencing life to the fullest in these latter years. But mm. yeah, just like even the people I've left behind in the corporate world, who, some people thrive and love what they're doing and that's great, but for the people who aren't, it's like, you can't change people, but at the same time you can see the missed opportunities that are happening for them to live a life that they're truly happy with.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm kind of really curious about this because I think that um, whilst there's so much of that that I agree with, there's a little trap that happens in our thinking. That is that we can't be ourselves in the corporate world, and that it's either be in the corporate world or live our happy life as the solopreneur, and you know, or, or corporate life or working with orphans in, you know, Africa. And the thing is, that's a mental trap because, you know what I said, when we listen to our heart, I, I have this perspective that, you know, life, you know, we are, we are here to have fun. We are here to enjoy life. You know and so life kind of flows to us and through us and it calls us to expand right and we don't ever have to think what is right for me because that expansion through me is unique right and how we connect to it is what makes us feel good so what makes you feel good julie is this path of like being a personal trainer and helping people connecting with their bodies. That's you absolutely fulfilling your heart's desire and you feel it, you feel, you know, tuned in, you feel energized, you know, that's fantastic. Now on, if we think of a polarity of certainty and variety, some of us need a lot more certainty.
1: Yeah.
0: And this thing of golden handcuffs, We can feel trapped in a job because we need certainty and we just can't let go of the certainty. But if we connect into our heart, we probably can feel that connection to our purpose and manifest that in our permanent job, in our corporate environment. Because I think my own life, leads me to believe that when we are all more of ourselves, when we are truly ourselves, we give other people permission to be themselves. And the world of work needs more of that, right? Yeah. So we're all, in a way, if we hold back, we're not helping others to be themselves either. And so on my journey to get to the place that I am now, one of the things that really fulfilled me I was still working investment banking still doing a very stressful job i volunteered on a youth mentorship program to mentor young people who'd come to this country seeking refugee status that was something that could fit alongside my corporate life i didn't have to go down to four days a week it was one evening a week for two hours in reality it was a bit more than that but That absolutely enabled me to really manifest the calling of my heart whilst having a permanent job. And what I realized on that journey is I didn't have to be as much of the person I thought they needed me to be at work because all of that was just junk in my head. And the more I relaxed and the more I stopped judging myself and being afraid of who I was and the more I just relaxed and let myself be who I was, express what I was actually thinking and feeling, um, the better I felt.
1: Absolutely. And I was doing, I put a step more into being myself when I was doing both roles at the same time, similar to what you were saying. And then I also realised it's that whole, actually, I'm going to choose to be myself now and I'm going to be all of me. And if that doesn't fit, it's like what you said before, Sam, this is not my pond. So I need to go and find where my pond is. And for me, that was leaving. But for other people, that might be a different team. That is how you might block yourself with the handcuffs by exactly what you're saying as not being yourself and showing your full self could actually hold you back.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it comes back to that point we were talking about at the beginning. It's like, um, you know, the blame culture and am I not being developed and am I not being given the opportunities? It's like... How do I choose to develop myself and what opportunities am I choosing to focus on, you know, that I'm attracting into my life? Because we don't have the ability to choose our life circumstances. Right. But we do have a choice on what we focus on and what we focus on energy flows. And that's what we get more of. So if you focus on all the knots in your life, all the I'm limited by this person, my life sucks, my job sucks, no one listens to me, you just get more of that. Yeah.
1: And it can be it difficult.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it can be very difficult when you're in an environment that's like that. But that's where it becomes important to, you know, find something that lets you focus on things that let you feel good do what you need to do but you know focus on the things that make you feel good that's the inherent built-in mechanism that keeps us on the right path because there's what we start to notice and i get a sense that you've been on this journey julie don't you notice how you how naturally just by focusing on it this mechanism you start to be able to feel the difference between Struggling and striving, yeah. You start to feel the difference between uh rewarding effort and push push, 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 drive, 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 drive. You know, you feel the difference between forcing and allowing. Yeah, these are quite so, aren't they? Really, in a way. And I would
1: say. To put that into for logical people like myself, what that feels yeah. like is yeah. is getting up in the morning and not thinking, "Oh God, it's Monday." It's getting yeah. up and going, "Yep, yeah, it's Monday. Hit class. Let's go. Got loads of great stuff to do this week. I've got a podcast with Sam. Energy. Do you know? Is that kind of the different things? Do you wake up the perspectives you've got about the things you've got in plan that week, and it might be even like spending time with family. You're not like, "Oh, I'm shattered. I don't have the energy to give out." Whereas you go, you bring the energy, you share with your nieces and nephews, how to do frog stands and all those fun things. i to sit in there, self-soothe in, and just being like, I don't have energy to give out to other people. So I think it's the difference of how you feel on a daily basis and not living for the weekend. So the weekend is yeah. an extension of the week rather than living for the weekend to self-soothe, recover from your week and then go, oh God, it's Sunday night into Monday and repeating that cycle. there's a difference of again back to your body how you feel mentally and physically and making time for things that you know are going to make a difference and go actually I'm going to do my training today I'm going to meditate yes I've got 10 million other things to do but there's always time for thinking but right now this is time for me to do the things that are going to make me feel good and give me energy
0: yeah I love that and I think as as well you know I mean I might sound like I'm you know this person that's really connected with their feelings but this isn't how I started at all and I think what really helped me is knowing that our brain is wired for survival right yes it's very powerful but it's not this omniscient thing that never makes mistakes and if we know that from the moment we wake up in the morning we just become aware of how we feel and we choose our state so we might wake up feeling a bit anxious because that's just the way our brain works. It's like chicken little, you know, Oh my God, is the sky going to fall in today? And that's a real problem under COVID, right? Because yeah. we are bombarded by the news. Yep. Um, so it's how we start our day knowing that it's going to be a good day, right? Choosing that it's going to be a good day. And like you say, when we connect into how we feel, particularly when we look at our diary, Because I've been, I still am a bit guilty of this, right? That I build myself these days over time that are just insane, right? And I get to the week and Friday afternoon, I'm like, I'm, I'm no good to anyone. And what I realized through this process of noticing, how do I feel when I look at my diary? If my heart sinks, honestly, I know I've got to do something about it because I know that I don't have in me what it takes to do that thing that this achiever part of me is built. So it is very practical stuff um, that's just, you know, like you say, notice how you feel, notice what you're choosing. And just, if it's important to you that you've got the energy to do that thing with your family at 7pm, make sure that your day is organized so that you have the energy to do that, that you've got the renewal slots. And, you know,
1: absolutely. And I'm the same as an achiever. And like I say, I'll put stuff in my diary and then I'll get pressure points if my day is running a bit behind where I'd like it be. And then I'll sit and go, why are you doing this to yourself? Why are you putting all the stress on? What are the things that you must do today and what are the things you can do the next day after? And just going, does it actually need to be done today or can't wait till the next day or the day after? What is actually the priorities? so that I can get through the day without feeling stressed out and wired. And it's that thing you said about choice. We choose to do that to ourselves. And I know there might be people listening from the corporate world who think, oh, I got all these meetings put in. I don't have control over my day. I have heard there's a new Microsoft that's shortening meetings. So people get at least five meetings automatic, five minutes at the end of a meeting automatic. So Mm -hmm. obviously people are looking to bring in things. So if you're facilitating a meeting, You know, stop it at 50 minutes. Don't let it run to the hour. Give yourself that 10 minutes. You have that choice. And when it comes to the end, then you're covering off any other questions. Then stop that at 45 minutes, 45 minutes. Any other questions, stop hard. Okay, guys, time's up. We'll cover that next Mm -hmm. session or drop me a note about that and take that time for yourself rather than being back to back. Because when you're sitting there all day and you've got no time for lunch, that's not a good place to be and it's not sustainable.
0: Right. And you have to ask yourself, who is driving that behavior? Because what I notice now with the work I do with corporates is everyone appreciates a break and and it's a very rare situation that people are forcing you to work in a certain way. What happens is we're in that environment. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves. And that triggers us to behave in whatever way we manage our anxiety. And often it's presenteeism and trying to do too much. And one of the things that really helped me unlock this pattern of basically workaholism and uh, not like being so disconnected from what it was I really wanted is to actually experiment with my diary. Am my to-do list. And what I did was like, I, I really believed I had to do all this in a day, that I had to get all of this done, that I had to be seen at my desk at a certain time and I could not leave before a certain time. And what I did was I really challenged myself and I said, okay, I love this concept of experiments. When I come across it, I was like, right, I'm gonna run an experiment for a week I'm like I was a seven seven thirty a.m. at my desk girl. Like, I believe that's what it took in investment banking. You had to be at your desk by seven seven forty-five, and I'd be apologizing for being late. That's where I was. Yeah. And I ran an experiment. I'm not going to get to my desk until eight thirty a.m. And I'll be honest, inside me there was this little war going on because I was like, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get fired. This is gonna really negatively affect my career. I'm going to get fired. So just so you know what the interior dialogue is like. But I was like, I have to, I'm giving this an experiment a go. And what happened was uh, nothing. No one in fact, complains about me being late to my desk. And I applied the same thing to my to-do list because the 80-20 rule absolutely applies you get 80% of the value for 20% of the things that you do so you can get 80% of the value if you focus on the right 20% of things and you only know what the, the right 20% is for experiments so literally I just stopped doing things and again I'd have this war inside myself oh my god I didn't reconcile the reports you know, or I didn't do that thing that I was supposed to do. And again, no one noticed I didn't produce the report. No one noticed because no one does anything off the back of the report. And what I noticed over, you know, these months of doing this experiment, because I guess like by about five months later, I was doing a lot less. I had a lot more free time. I was a lot more relaxed. And actually things were going a lot better for me at work oddly because people enjoyed being around me more because I was a more relaxed and happy person. Instead of being this very driven, all the I's have to be dotted, the T's have to be crossed. It all has to be done this way. And I realized it's really important, especially for those of us in um, leadership positions that we recognize this pattern and we break it and we seek to, you know, find this 80, 20 balance because it's, yeah, all of us, it doesn't matter whether we're working for someone or we're heading a team or heading a department, it's us looking after ourselves and being at our best that really helps the work, whatever it is we choose to do, flows so much better.
1: And do you think, Sam, for people who are feeling a bit overwhelmed, like they can't lift their heads to look at the bigger picture, to think about daydreaming about what they want or to even think about what their purpose is, To reflect on where they are happy and not happy in aspects of their life to take action. Do you think that's kind of like the first step is that experimenting in order to free up their time to give themselves headspace to move forward?
0: Yeah I really think so because I love, I don't know if you've listened to Seth Godin and his podcast where he talks about overwhelm and it's like the worst way to get hydration is to try and drink from a fire hose right? And this is essentially what overwhelm is. It's like, it's just all too much. So how can you start to uh, slow down? So for example, just like have the aim to cut everything out. So no TV, no magazines, no podcasts, no books, no extra work. When you're at work, cancel all the meetings apart from the ones that you absolutely must attend and then notice from that point what you're missing. That's what Seth says. I don't think I could have gone quite cold turkey like that. What I'm proposing is that you do the same thing but from the opposite perspective. So you recognise that overwhelm is just doing too much and so you just start to drop things one at a time until you've got extra capacity because we can't hope to have any sort of creativity without having space.
1: And I think that's a brilliant summary there at the end about what to do if you're feeling trapped by those golden handcuffs. So that flowed quite nicely there, Sam, so well done. <laughs> so for blisters, I really hope that does help and I think it's a reflection about what we have choice and control over. And also, Sam's bit of there at the end about what you can start doing to get control back if you feel like you're not in that place right now. Uh,
0: I think somebody reminded me. It's actually my brother reminded me the other day about must. Just notice when you're using the word must. I must do this. I have to do this. I must do this. I have to do this. Because truly, there are so few things that we really must do. Go and experiment and find out what you can drop.
1: Totally. I must <laughs> I must look at doing that <laughs>
0: yeah it's like I'd love to look at that it excites me to look at that
1: yeah or another um, one I hear often is oh, oh wait and see oh, wait and wait.
0: see I yeah. like for what what you're waiting for <laughs> yeah one of you're reminding me now um I know we bring this to a close but just just because it's so good I remember a matchbook from uh, a club in Amsterdam that I used to go to and they had the quote on there do or do not there is no try and I used to use try all the time oh yeah I'll try and get there I'll try and do that yeah do it or don't do it yeah I love that
1: (laughs) all right so I'm just going to move on to some quick fire lifestyle questions so the listeners get to know a bit more about you and um, so it's a choice of one or the other. Now, last time you chose yoga over meditation. So this time yeah. your option is yoga or animal flow.
0: Oh, I'm going to have to choose animal flow right now because I love how animal flow amps up yoga and helps you build the strength that you need for certain poses. So I'm going animal flow, baby.
1: Yeah, I'm still working through my qualification for animal flow and strength up. The quad burn is unreal.
0: Totally, yeah.
1: (laughs) I'm still struggling to get past that. Okay, The next one, as it's nice, hot and sunny in London, would you have an ice lolly or an ice cream?
0: Oh, ice lolly, because ice cream doesn't, much as I love it, it really doesn't agree with me. So ice lolly all the way.
1: Sunrise or sunset?
0: That's a tough choice. I feel like my natural wiring is sunset. I love a sunset. But I know I'm at my best when I see sunrise. So I'm going to have to go sunrise. Sunrise. Now,
1: for dinner, you've got an option of getting a home delivery or going out to eat at a restaurant.
0: Which one? Uh, Home delivery. Because my dog, he gets separation anxiety now if we leave him.
1: Oh, there's quite a lot of places around Edinburgh you can take dogs now is it not the same in London
0: wow that's amazing so uh, many. Uh, yeah no especially in restaurants uh dogs are personas non gratas you can't take them
1: oh Sam you need to bring him up to leaf. I mean he's gonna have the time of his life there's pubs restaurants it's like dog bowls dog treats everywhere
0: amazing wow yeah might just have to think about that
1: okay and last one street art or art gallery
0: Oh, I love how, in fact, street art has made it into so many galleries, but I'm street art all the way.
1: And I love that picture behind you. I know the viewers can't see it, but it says, I love the pink vividness of it. black.
0: absolutely. That was a a friend of ours who, uh, who
1: created that. So yeah,
0: it's amazing. It's a, it's a graffiti image of Jay-Z for those who, who can't see it.
1: See, she's even connected with the street artists. Okay, thanks a lot for your time today, Sam. And um, just remind people how to connect with you, what's the best way to do that?
0: Fantastic. Well, you can either find me on LinkedIn, Samantha Kiani, that's K-I-A-N-I, or follow me on um, Instagram, which is underscore inspired dot world.
1: Hey, okay, thanks, Sam. Always loving chatting with you. Thanks for your time.
0: Yeah, thanks, Julie. Have a great day. You
1: too.